Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, this is Frank Domino at Old Habits Die Hard, and you're listening to Talking Metal. This is Justin German from Cruel Season and Autumn Hour, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Molson Canadian presents Heavy Montreal. August 7th, 8th, and 9th, outdoors at Parc Jean Trapeau, featuring Slipknot, Faith No More, Korn, and Mastodon. Three full days of rock and metal with Lamb of God, Iggy Pop, Fozzie, Lita Ford, and many more. Festival passes on sale now. For the full festival lineup, visit heavymontreal.com, presented by Eventco. Hey guys, welcome to Talking Metal. Let's get right into some music. This is by one of today's two guests, Frank Domino. He's got a great new record out. We're going to hear all about it from him during the interview. Uh, and this song is called Rockin' in the City.
Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. My name is Mark Striegel, and I will be flying up in less than four weeks to attend Heavy Montreal, a three-day heavy metal, hard rock, punk rock, just loud rock festival going on at Parc Jean Drapeau in Montreal, Canada. I will be there. If you're going to be there, please let me know. We got to hang I'll be hanging with some of my uh, my podcasting friends, Mitch Joel and Mitch LaFon, who I do the Metal Raps podcast with. If you haven't checked out my other podcast, Metal Raps, check it out on iTunes and Spreaker, too. So it's going to be great, and I'll be doing some Talking Metal episodes backstage, and it's just going to be a three-day long hang. I cannot wait. going to see Iggy Pop. Love Iggy Pop. going to see Fozzie. With Rich Ward and Chris Jericho. Love those guys. Going to see Lita Ford, one of my my uh, teenage crushes. And just somebody, regardless of being a woman, who's just rocked me so hard. And who else? Pentagram is scheduled to play. Uh, hopefully Bobby can get some visa issues sorted out and make that happen. We have also the great Lamb of God. Of course, Slipknot, and I am so psyched personally to see Faith No More headline Saturday night. On today's episode of Talking Metal, two great guests. One that is a little more known. His name is Frank Domino, and he played in the great band, a band I just have loved for decades and decades. Angel. I didn't get into them until the 80s, but um, you know they were a band more from the 70s era into the 80s. And also uh, appearing on today's show, in addition to Frank, legendary classic rocker Frank Domino, is Justin German. And he played in a highly underrated band called Autumn Hour with my good friend Alan Tecchio, who was just on a recent podcast announcing that he is back with the Watchtower guys. So anyways, this guy's name is Justin German, and he is known for his work with Autumn Hour and also has a great project out now called Cruel Season. And you can check these guys out on Facebook. We'll have a link up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And speaking of Heavy Montreal, not only will I be hanging out with the great Mitch Joel and Mitch LaFon, but I'm going to be hanging out with my wife, Emily, who is coming up for two of the three days. And Emily, who are you most excited to see at Heavy Montreal? There are so many to choose from. Definitely excited to see Lita Ford. I've never seen Lita Ford, believe it or not. Um, I'm excited for Faith No More. I saw them in 92 with... Guns N' Roses, Metallica, and um, my only memory of that show, aside from Axel not coming on stage until like midnight, was um, Mike Patton going into the audience during their set and just not coming back out for like 20, 30 minutes. Just totally got lost. (laughs) And I seem to remember him smashing a chair against the front of the stage as well. So he must have been having kind of an odd off night. Is there is there footage of that? Because I seem to remember seeing footage of him smashing a chair. We should, we have to look on YouTube because I feel like there's maybe he maybe that was something he did at numerous concerts, or maybe there's footage from that actual show. Because I seem to remember seeing footage of that. Well, it was Indianapolis. 
and it was summertime because my sister and I went down. Um, she was my metal partner in crime before I met you, and um, it was a, it was down in Indy. It had to have been ninety two, summer of ninety two. Sounds right. We'll have to look for that footage online. And of course, Marky Ramone is going to be playing, and and you and I had the pleasure of jamming once with Marky Ramone. It's funny, you just asked me the other day where that picture was. Um, what, what were you looking for that for? Well, your mom has that picture, like, out. So every time we go to her house, I see this picture of us with Marky Ramone, and I, I, I don't have that picture. And I was just, like, kind of going through all my stuff the other day and thought it would be a good one to pull out and have in my archives, and I don't have it. Everyone has it but me, apparently. But well, I also... I it's also posted online. I sent you the link. Oh, you sent it to me? Yeah. Oh, thank you. I also am really, <laughs> I'm also really excited to see Iggy Pop. Yeah. Yeah. Iggy Pop, definitely. So many great bands. Slipknot, Lamb of God, Iggy Pop, um, Extreme, Warrant, like you said, Lita Ford. Very excited to see them. I noticed that both you and Mitch are direct tweeting her about being there. I think you guys are in some kind of competition to see who can get on her tour bus. Well, I'm actually, there was a big scandal that, that blew up over the last few days with the Runaways. Uh, one of the, the members, former members of the Runaways, claiming they were raped in front of Joan Jett and one of the other members. So I'm trying to get Lita Ford on because I'd love to ask her uh, what she thinks of this whole thing. Kind of a sad situation no matter what the real story is well you've had her on before right it's been at least three to four years so it'd be great to have her on to to above all else talk about her upcoming performance at heavy montreal mastodon is another band that will be performing that i'm very excited to see so many great bands and uh, you got to get up to heavy montreal guys uh it's coming up shortly there is a picture in today's show notes on talking excuse me, on TalkingMetal.com that lists all the bands playing, and there are so many great ones. I'm also excited to see some new blood. I know Arch Enemy has a new lead singer. Haven't seen her yet. I know Andrew... She's from Montreal, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Yeah, we've seen them a few times with, was it Angela? Angie? Yes. Um, The last singer, but I haven't seen the new one. And I know Asking Alexandria, I think they have a new lead singer as well. Cool. And Dokken, too, another one of my favorites that will be performing at Heavy Montreal. So definitely totally psyched. Dying Fetus, Gore Guts. Motionless in White is a band I'm really, really digging. The little bit I know about them, kind of like a a metal, gothic, contemporary vibe. Very exciting band. Andrew W.K. will be there. Of course, Warrant, Within Temptation, getting a, a very pretty big name on the bill so lots of great stuff rocket from the crypt as emily mentioned asking alexandria so lots of great stuff jamie josta will also be up there doing a set and the agonist uh, a band from montreal which is the girl from from arch enemy the new singer that's her old band so should be interesting because i know they didn't part on the best of terms so that should be interesting and uh, we'll also have Dig It Up, Wilson, Dead Tired, the list goes on and on. So get yourself to Heavy Montreal. 
Right now, let's get into my interview with Frank from the classic rock band, the classic hard rock, progressive band, whatever you want to call them, Casablanca Records Band. Angel, love Angel, love Frank's voice, and the best news of all is that Frank has new music out, and he's going to tell us all about it, and then we're going to hear a little bit of it. But before we do that, we must listen to some classic some classic Angel This is coming off of the On Earth As It Is In Heaven, and this song is called On The Rocks, followed by my interview with Frank. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line we have Frank Domino checking in with us. Frank, how are you today? All right, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. A longtime fan going way back to the Angel days, but I want to start off today by talking about a great new album that I just heard that just came out, Old Habits Die Hard, and it's, uh-huh. it's your new album. And you're sounding great on it. There's a lot of cool guest stars. So, so let's yeah. just uh, let's start talking about about the record. Um, let's let's start with the title. Old habits die hard. What what's the meaning behind that? Well, <laughs> obviously, you know, I, I got the uh, the old angel mic stand and, and the boots. But you know, it, a, a lot of people had said, uh, you know, well, well, what's going on there? I, I thought you weren't doing it. But I've I've always been 
out there. I mean, I, I've been singing. I've never stopped singing. I've, you know, I've, whether it's been with, uh, you know, I have a local thing out here uh, called Vinyl Tattoo with Oz. Oz and I do. And uh, I went to see uh, uh, Jeff Duncan last night with Armored State. They were great. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jeff Duncan sits in with us on Vinyl Tattoo every once in a while when Oz uh, is not around. But, I, you know, I, I've always been... I've been pretty active. I, I never stopped doing what I do. So um, when uh, I, I started thinking about a title for this uh, for this album, I thought, well, you know what? Um, I still have. I still do what I do. I, I've, what I've always done. So uh, I thought the the title of Old Habits Die Hard would uh, would work well. And also the music itself. I th- I think the music on this album is um, it's a little bit more. Um, um, I, I don't want to date it or anything, but I, you know, it's it's back from where I come from. So you know, it's a little bit more '70s, but there's a lot of, a lot of newer newer sounds to to this album. So it's got some of that background uh, classic rock stuff that I that I that I grew up with, and and I think some of the newer stuff, newer sounding stuff is on there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And the uh, the guest stars are just are just great. You mentioned Oz. I'm assuming you're talking about Oz Fox, right? And right, he yeah. is on the record. But what about Eddie Ojeda, a great friend of Talking Metals of Twisted Sister fame? How and uh, where do you know Eddie from? Um, well, I've known I've known Eddie for a while. Um, I know all the guys in uh, in Twisted. Um, and Paul uh, Crook, who produced the album, is uh, is from uh, New Jersey and. He's great friends with him as well. And what happened was, uh, while we were recording, uh, Eddie had uh, called in and uh, he was at the NAM convention and said he was coming to Vegas. Was anything happening? So Paul said, "It's funny you ask." He said, "I'm in the middle of uh, recording Frank's album. Um, Why don't you come down to the studio when you come in?" So he came down to the studio. We played him some tracks, and um, he loved the stuff. So I asked him. I said, "Yeah, you want to play on one of the tracks?" He said, "Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to." So we uh, we went through the tracks. I pulled. A, I thought um, tonight's tonight would be great for him, and uh, and he loved the song. So I said, well, you know, have a listen to it and come back. And he came back the next day, laid down a great solo, and and uh, we were all <laughs> very happy. Awesome. And another familiar name, Punky Meadows. And oh, uh, Punky, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, a lot of people kind of lost track of Punky. Uh, in recent years, and, and what, do you know what has he been up to, and, and how did you come back in contact with him, or maybe you've been in contact with him the whole time? Yeah, I don't know. All of us uh, uh, keep in touch with each other. Um, you know, uh, not not that we call each other every day, but we're, we're always in touch with you, with each other. Um, I'm always talking to Barry. Uh, Greg lives out here, uh, and I think I probably keep in touch with Punky a lot as well. Um, and Punky and, and Felix played on the last thing that Barry and I did, uh, the In the Beginning uh, um, CD that uh, Barry and I did. So um, when Oz and I wrote uh, Never Again, Oz had said, you know, you know, when I was thinking of this uh, the uh, this song, when we, we started working on this song, I was thinking of an angel song in the back of my head. He said, wouldn't it be great if we had Punky play on it? I said, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll give him a call. So I called him up and... Um, and I told him what, what was going on. I said I had a, a deal, and I had a, a, a song that I thought might be great for him to play on it if he wanted to play on it. He said, absolutely. So I sent him the song, uh, and um, we sent, uh, we, he found a studio out there. We sent the tracks to the studio that he found, and uh, he laid down the tracks, sent it back, and it sounded great. And when you say out there, what is, is he in L.A.? He's in, he's in North Carolina. North Carolina, okay. Yeah, cool. he's been in North Carolina for a while. He, um, 
he sold the uh, the tanning uh, salons that he had in uh, in Virginia, and then moved to North Carolina. So he's been out there for a while. Cool. Well, yeah, you got some great special guest stars on, on the record, but who is like the core band that you're now playing with? The core, yeah, the core band that I used uh, was um, uh, Paul Crook, um, uh, John Michelli on drums, uh, Danny Miranda on bass, Justin Avery um, on keyboards, and between Paul Crook, uh, Oz Fox, and Jeff Lebansky, they played most of all the guitar stuff. Um, the other guys that I have, the guest stars, came in and did the solos for me. So Cool. Cool, gotcha. And there's a song called Even Now, kind of more of a ballady song. Can you talk about you know that, that song and who helped you write it and kind of the history yeah. behind it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a song that Barry and I wrote. Um, we just didn't... <laughs> Barry, the drummer of Angel, it, you know. So uh, we, we, you know, we, we still have a, a couple of songs that we that that we have uh, that that we've done that we haven't uh, done anything with. But that was one of them, and and uh, I had a, a, a version of it that uh, a demo uh, that we had had uh, that we had done, and uh, I thought that it would it would fit in great with this uh, with all this stuff. I, it, it's the only track that wasn't written for this album, but I I, I thought it, it fit in great. Um, so you so, and Barry, uh, you and Barry had written it for Angel back at some point in the past. Well, well, Barry and I uh, kept writing uh, after Angel. Uh, that's why we did the In the Beginning CD was just a a, a compilation of songs that we had kept writing because he and I uh, he and I just kept writing stuff. So we had n- nothing to do with them. So we put together the uh, In the Beginning thing because we had songs that we wanted to uh, put on, put put out. And uh, that's why we had uh, Punky and Felix played on some, and we have some other friends that uh, that, that played on some tracks. So uh, this has been ongoing. We have a few. We had a few after that. So this was one of the remnants of the some of the songs that we've written together. Um, and um, it was one of the ones that I, I thought would fit in great with with this, with all the tracks on this uh, particular CD. And uh, it's also uh, a track that my son played on, which <laughs> which which is. Uh, which was a lot of fun for me to uh, to have my son, my youngest son, play on it. Um, Dylan, his name is right. Yeah, Dylan. And what does Dylan he play? Plays, what does Dylan play? He, uh, uh, Dylan plays the uh, opening, the uh, finger picking. Sorry, I'm, uh, I got, uh, I got I just got over bronchitis. But, oh uh, man, no worries. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, he plays the finger picking opening. He plays it through the whole track, and then he plays the last the last strum, the last chord on, on the on the track as well. But uh, yeah, he plays through the whole thing. And, um, you know, he was very nervous and stuff at, at first because he, he's never done any recording. So, uh, you know, and, and I had sat down and I said, you know, you, you got really, uh, to really go over the, 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 the track and make sure that you know it. Because when we get down to the studio, I don't want you to hang up anybody. You know, once we start recording, you know, I want you to get, get through the song. So uh, he worked really hard on it. He didn't really get nervous until we started to head down to the studio. And then when we walked in the studio, we started getting more nervous. But as soon as he sat down, Paul made him feel really, really comfortable. And uh, he just breezed through it. He was, uh, yeah, he, he, did it, uh, he did a great job. Good stuff. And again, the album is called Old Habits Die Hard. We'll have links to the album up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com in the notes for this episode. And... Frank, I, I want to take you back to your past a little bit. Um, you sure. obviously, Angel was signed to this just 
legendary label uh, in the 70s and and went on to be a label in the 80s too, but uh, Casablanca Records. And there's been stuff written about the the brainchild, the the man behind Casablanca. His name was Neil Bogart. Uh, we've read about him in books. We've read all sorts of crazy stories, some great, some not so flattering. What are your memories of Neil Bogart? Uh, Neil was a special guy. He really was. Uh, he uh, he was like no one no one else in the uh, record business at at that time. Uh, he really was a, a guy that uh, really um, listened to the artist and and worked with the artist. Um, you know, he he uh, when he signed us uh, to to Cap- we were we were initially going to be uh, we were initially going to sign with uh, Capital, um, but Neil was just a guy that that. When we were, when when we brought the the album to the first album the first annual album to Neil, he just made us feel really comfortable and we felt we felt like we were in good hands when we were around him, you know. Um, he just said the right things and and we felt comfortable that he would uh, he would take to uh, take us where we needed to go, and um, and there's very very few people like that in the record business. Uh, I don't know of any. To date, but uh, but I haven't really de- dealt with that many. Uh, although uh, you know, I'm, I I got a great relationship right now with with, with Frontiers. Um, I think they're uh, one of the few uh, record companies right now that are really um, keeping the, uh, the classic rock thing alive, keep it going, and uh, it gives us a, a venue to uh, to uh, put our songs. All of us are writing songs still. You know, we're all in, still in the business, so uh, I think Frontiers is doing a great job. But getting back to Neil, Neil, like I said, Neil was a special guy. He really was. And and how did you guys meet Neil? Was it like an A and R person? Or some people say Gene Simmons brought you to to the label. Um, how did you meet Neil? Well, there, I mean, the connection between Kiss and and, and Angel was that uh, when we were uh, when we were in D.C., uh, we played at a club called Bogies. Uh, it's the only place we ever played. Uh, we did two shows a night there, and. Um, Gordon Fletcher, who used to write for um, Circus Magazine and uh, Rolling Stone, he used to do a lot of uh, album reviews. Uh, he used to come down almost every night. Uh, he, you know, he loved the band, um, and we used to sit and talk all the time uh, between shows. And um, and one night he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start to bring down some national acts whenever they play uh, at Largo. Largo was uh, Largo Arena was like. Uh, um, it's kind of like Madison Square Garden in, in D.C. It was the big arena where the the the, uh, the hockey team and the basketball team played. It was it was the it was like the forum. So uh, he would bring down uh, bands that were were playing in town. And one night he brought down uh, the guys in Kiss, and um, uh, Gene and Paul and Ace, I believe. I, I'm I can't remember if Peter was there. I I, I think the whole band was there. Um, but we talked. We we hung out and. Um, and uh, Gene brought up uh, management for the band, and we had just signed uh, with David Joseph uh, a week before that. So, um, so he wanted us to sign with a coin, but we had just signed a management deal. But we talked, you know, we, we all got along and stuff. And uh, and then the next thing was uh, our manager brought us out to L.A. When we went out to L.A., uh, Neil um, was um, still kind of Casablanca hadn't really. Uh, uh, none of the bands had really broken yet. Uh, Kiss was uh, at that point. They were uh, the third album. I think it was Dressed to Kill. Right. 
So they, they hadn't broken yet. So Neil was still looking for acts to, to sign to Casablanca, and he was looking for, for a rock band. And, you know, I, I, you know the connection was when, when David made the call to, to Neil, I have a band, and, you know, and the guys in Kiss have seen the band, and so they, they can tell you about the band and stuff like that. So that was kind of the connection there with, uh, with Neil, Casablanca, and Kiss. And, uh, you know, Neil had called, I, I assume that he had called uh, Paul or, 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 or um, Gene, and then he called, called us back and said, yeah, you know, I'd, lo- I'd love to sign the band. I'd love to hear the band. I'd love to sign the band. So that, from that point on, our, that's how our relationship started with Neil. Cool. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I interviewed Tommy Thayer, who's currently playing guitar with Kiss, uh, oh, probably a year and a half, two years ago. And he mentioned that he was a fan of, of Angel uh, to me. Uh, have you kept up with Kiss's career at all? Do you follow any of their, their newer releases or, you know, um, occasionally? Yeah, yeah, as best I can, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm always listening to, to music. Uh, um, and I know Tommy from uh, from Portland, Um when I worked with uh, with Jeff way back in the day, uh, Tommy was with a band called Black and Blue, right. um, and uh, so they they were from Portland, and so I I knew them from from back then, and uh, so uh, yeah, I, when he uh, when he was uh, became a member of Kiss, I obviously I, I started to listen as well to the, to the newer stuff, and you know I I, I like all kinds of music, I, I really do, and, and uh, you know Kiss of uh, you know I think Paul is a really good. Paul Stanley's a really good songwriter, and 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 Gene as well. So, uh, you know, there's there's always something interesting to to listen to and and to find if you look hard enough. You know, absolutely. When you look back on on Angel, you guys, you know, you had the first and the second record came out, and they they kind of had a more progressive sound in some ways. And then when the third record came out in uh, 1977, on Earth as it is in Heaven. To a lot of people, it felt a little less progressive. Do you right. do you do you agree with that? And and if so, was there a conscious decision to kind of say, "Hey, we need to become something more than a, a progressive hard rock band"? Yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, I think at this point it's probably pretty well documented that you know from from the first two albums, uh, uh, and we wrote a little bit differently as well. I think the first two albums, uh, uh, Punky, Greg, and myself wrote a lot of the stuff. Uh, like uh, after rehearsal, we would stay together and and maybe uh, at rehearsal we're working on like riffs and stuff. So we would put together a lot of stuff and then and then the next day, you know, at rehearsal have the have the kind of the the arrangement of the stuff together, and then I would lay some uh, lyrics, put lyrics on it, and put put a melody to it. Um, so we wrote a little bit differently for the first two albums, but we knew exactly what what we were doing on the first two albums. By the time we got to the third album, obviously the you know the record company. There was a little bit more pressure to uh, to get more airplay, and, and but also you have to remember too that those first two albums that we did, the uh, uh, radio airplay was much different uh, then. Uh, there was a lot of a- AOR stuff. Uh, you know they they played long time. I remember on the re- on the uh, radio a lot uh, from the first album, and you'd never hear that something like that played now from a new band. You know it was very. Uh, very different uh, it was it's a progressive slow ballad you know and um so 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 the radio stations uh, airplay was changing as well so we tried to you know without giving up too much too much you know uh, under under the pressure of the record company and and getting ready radio airplay we tried to the transition began on the third album but i think by the time we got to the fourth album uh 
it was a, a transition, but I think we were also writing differently as well. We were breaking off into pairs. Barry and I started writing more. Punky and I, uh, you know, Greg and I, uh, you know, it was just different. You know, we, we, we started to write more as songwriters, I think. And um, we also uh, started to work within the uh, studio a lot more. So, Cool. Cool. Just a couple more questions and we'll wrap it up. Um, yeah. In in, in the 80s, one of the biggest selling records of the 1980s, uh, over 20 million copies sold, the Flashdance soundtrack, and, and you're on that record, uh, singing a yeah. song, Seduce Me Tonight. How did you get involved with that? Um, when, we did, uh, when we did the, um, the um, Foxes movie, uh, we worked with uh, Giorgio, uh, and from that, uh, from that relationship uh, with Giorgio, I, I started uh, doing a lot of uh, studio in, uh, things for him. I did a lot of, uh, uh, he would call me and ask me to do some backgrounds to a lot of the, the, the stuff he was producing, like, uh, like, um, like the dance I stuff. did backgrounds, yeah, like I did backgrounds to a Sparks album and some other things that he produced. So I did a lot of that stuff with him. And um, he had called me um, because he was in the midst of doing the uh, uh, Metropolis thing with Keith Forsey. Okay. He was doing the soundtrack for that. So he asked me if I would come and uh, work with him and Keith on uh, doing some songs to, uh, for the soundtrack of Metropolis. I said, of course. So I, I went to his house up in uh, Truesdale uh, where he had a studio there. And uh, we started working on, on, on new stuff for the Metropolis uh, thing. And while that was going on... Um, he was doing uh, uh, this movie called Flashdance. At the time, uh, Staying Alive, I think, was, gonna, uh, was, uh, was coming out at the same time. And that was looking at, like, that was going to be the big hit of the year because it had Stallone and uh, John Travolta. Um, and this little uh, movie, Flashdance, it had all these little vignettes going on. And everyone thought, yeah, okay, it was, it, it's, it's a nice movie, but, uh, you know, it, 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 it'll... It'll be okay, but it's not going to be staying alive. So uh, what happened was uh, they wanted to use the song. Um, I believe it was it was Brown Sugar in in that section where they eventually used uh, uh, the song that I did. Um, and uh, I, I, I assume. So when you said they used it like in a rough cut of the film or something, they used it. That, that's Brown, what they the were Stone thinking. Song. Yeah, when when they when they were looking at the film, you know, and putting the soundtrack together, they, they were thinking, well, let's let's use a uh, Brown Sugar would go great there, and it would be it would be great to have the Stones on this uh, this uh, movie. Uh, but uh, I assume that they didn't really want to pay the cost of the Stones, uh, you know, the, the, what the Rolling Stones wanted for Brown Sugar and that. So so they uh, asked Giorgio if he had any songs, and. Uh, and uh, we had a song that we had been working on, uh, and Giorgio said, I, I'm thinking of using this song in that movie, that because we were looking at the rushes of Flashdance while we were doing Metropolis every day at his house, while, you know, when we were finished. And uh, he said, you know, what do you, uh, what do you think about that song? And I said, well, yeah, you know, I mean, if you want to do it, I, I think it'll be fine. So, um, so we were, it was at the end of the day. <laughs> Keith and I were in the other room and uh, having a drink, and uh, you know we had just finished our recording on the Metropolis stuff. And Giorgio came in the room and said, "Okay, let's do that song." And both of us looked at each other and said, "What do you mean? No, let's record the song." I thought, "Well, we're done for the day." So we went back in there and we did it real quick. Uh, and laid it down really quick, and then the next day he put some sacks on it and stuff like that, and we forgot about it. 
and it went out there, and then all of a sudden, Flashdance became the bigger hit than Staying Alive, and it became a huge selling soundtrack. So it was, uh, it was one of those odd things that happen, you know, while, you, while you're standing there, it's happening in front of you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Daft Punk, that, that band, they had a real big record like one or two years ago. They have a whole tribute to Giorgio on, on their record, and you actually hear him talking about his history and stuff during the song. It's kind of cool if you haven't heard oh, it. Oh, I haven't heard that, yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, good stuff. Cool. i got to well, find that. Well, Frank, thanks so much for sharing some great old stories with us and for filling us in on the new record, Old Habits Die Hard. Again, we will feature some of the music here on today's podcast and uh, hype it as much as we can because it, it is a good one. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. It's really a pleasure. That was a little new music by Frank 
You just heard my interview with him again. His record is called Old Habits Die Hard, and that song right there opens the record. It's called Never Again. Good stuff, Frank. We're so glad you are rocking us for, wow, going on like 40 years since that first Angel. Going, it's been 40 years. I think that first Angel record came out in 1975. So congratulations to you for such, having such a great, long career. Frank Domino. Again, coming up next, we have an interview with Justin German, a local guy here in the New York tri-state area. He's done some work with Alan Tecchio of Hades, Watchtower, and nonfiction fame. Uh, we're going to hear some music that he did with Alan back mm, probably five, six years ago with the band Autumn Hour. And then we will get into my interview with guitarist Justin German. He's got some new music out coming out soon. I don't think it's out quite yet, but it's going to be coming out real soon. And he's going to tell us about that. Cruel Seasons is the uh, is the the band he's working with now. We will have links up to their Facebook page in today's show notes. But again, this is uh, right now a little Autumn Hour featuring Alan Tecchio on vocals, Justin German on guitar, followed by my interview with Justin. All right, let's do it.
Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and checking in on the line, we have Justin German of the band Cruel Season. Justin, nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you, too, Mark. I've been a big fan for a long time, and it's great to finally talk to you. Cool. Well, I'm glad you reached out and uh, introduced yourself via email. And, you know, the music that Cruel Season is doing that I've heard, which I haven't heard a lot, but I've heard you sent me one track and really digging it. And we're going to talk about that track. We're going to talk about the the upcoming record. But could could you briefly, you know, in, in two or three minutes, kind of give us a, a little history lesson on Cruel Season? Well, Cruel Season uh, really began in 2009, and that's when uh, Michael McManaman, the vocalist of the band, Roger Cohen, the drummer, and myself, you know, the guitar player, met uh, Doug O'Dell. And uh, you should know that Roger and Michael and myself played in a group together many years ago. And we played together for many years. And uh, that band sort of fell silent. And, uh, you know, we did the best we could. Uh, we warmed up for some nationals. And uh, we actually went by the name of Fuel back in the day. Not then, to be course, confused with uh, Brett Scallion's Fuel, right? <laughs> exactly. More power to them, and uh, it was almost proof of concept that after we had disbanded that they had so much success. And, of course, you know, I think that they're also an East Coast group, and uh, we were very happy to hear all of that. Um, but we always had interest in our music. And Michael uh, McManaman, the vocalist of Cruel Season, met Doug O'Dell in 2003. And Mike reached back through to Roger and myself and said, wow, you know, this is a great bass player, and we really need to play with him. So we started uh, sort of reviving this lost canon of work, and it really gelled. You know, Doug's sound was perfect for the group, and uh, Doug wound up being a really key member of the band and bringing some fresh blood into this music as a writer and uh, just a major contributor. So we started a project to record this music that, is going to be our debut full length called Rise on Dark Star, which is associated with Sony Music. It's an indie uh, in association with uh, Sony Entertainment. But long story short, we started uh, to record the music ourselves. Of course, we went to a studio to record the drums because, you know, that's an art form in itself. So uh, we went to uh, J Rod Studios, we tracked the basics for drums, and uh, I fell on the Cruel Season Corporate Sword and began the long process of engineering, you know, all of the other tracks. Now, J-Rod Studios, I know that name for some reason. Where, where, where is that? Well, you definitely will. He's in Rockland County. Uh, we're both friends with Alan Tecchio, both right. you and I, and also John Corsiari, who owns J-Rod Studios. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was through through those friendships. Not only that, but uh, Johnny Corsiari also engineered the Ottermauer record that uh, Alan Tecchio and I did together. Great record. Yeah, great record. Wow, thank you very much. Uh, yeah. It's a favorite of mine, too, and uh, I just, you know, I'm such a fan of uh, Alan's and I have so much respect for him. So it was a natural uh, progression to go to John's studio to record uh, basic drums. So, you know, we took those tracks and began the long, tedious process from 2009 all the way to 2013 you know, making our record. And we did it in various sort of makeshift studios. And uh, it was a real engineering feat, especially for myself. And I hadn't had experience doing that kind of a work. But, you know, I think it sounds pretty great. We wound up uh, 
having great support from Tim Gillis, who is an owner of Big Blue Meanie Studios. And mm, he was, sure. you know, Jersey only, City. Uh, My friend used to work at Big Blue Meanie. Do you know Arun, Vankat- Arun Vankatesh? Do you know him? Yeah, I know Arun, sure. I know his yeah. brother, too. Yeah, Krishna. Yeah, yeah. Those guys yeah, are like yeah. old friends of mine. Arun and I had a band for years. Uh, really good New York City kind of like sleaze metal punk band that, that we used to play in together that uh, just had so much fun with, with Arun. But wow, small world. Uh, it always is, and it never ceases to amaze me. So, you know, Tim, probably before he even knew Arun, was, was helping out Roger and Michael and myself, you know, back in the day when we were first working. So after we had done all of our work, you know, our due diligence recording the drums with John, or recording all of the tracks, I went back through to Tim and asked, you know, if he would help us out with a mix and also mastering. And, of course, you know, on our budget, we really couldn't afford what the, the work that, you know, he did. And it sounds just great. And he's always been a supporter and uh, so grateful to him for mixing and mastering it. So uh, it was nice to bring the story uh, sort of full circle to finish it up with Tim, and uh, I'm pretty happy with the results. I think they speak for themselves. Cool. And I want to talk to you about one of the songs that you sent me in, in a few minutes, but uh, Cruel Season songs, that that is. But first, let's let's back up to uh, Alan Tecchio and your your relationship with him. Um, you, you did the Autumn Hour CD with him a number of years back, which was a great one. I guess my first question is, where did you first meet Alan? I'm sorry, you broke up there, but I think you asked, where did I meet Alan? Yeah, where did you first meet Alan? Yes. Well, it was it was uh, through association with uh, the band that I was in at the time, Fuel. Uh, actually, now thinking about it, I think Alan had recorded some Hades tracks with Tim at Big Blue in their first studio. Ah, okay. And... We were also in there at the same time, and you know, I, I gotta, I gotta just be honest. I was a huge friend uh, or a fan of Dan Lorenzo, and later became a friend of his. Yeah. Uh, but his work in nonfiction, I really felt like you know, and really Alan's vocal. I thought that whole band was great. Kevin Bolenbach on bass too. Absolutely. Was uh, was just tremendous. So we sort of built a friendship through that uh, mutual connection at the studio, and we actually were fortunate enough to uh, sort of open up for nonfiction on some East Coast shows, which is which was of course a great thing for you know a band like us. And yeah. Alan and I kept in touch, and we always wanted to sort of work together. And it took many years. I mean, you know, as you know, Alan is involved in so many really great metal projects, and to just be in the pantheon of all of that with the Autumn Hour Project really is an honor. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a great CD. And I'd love to hear, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for Cruel Season, don't get me wrong, but I'd love to hear some more Autumn Hour at some point. And uh, I, I thought Alan told me at one time that, the, that you guys were potentially working on new stuff. Is that, am I imagining that? You're not imagining it, and it's actually a little bit different uh, than the uh, debut Autumn Hour full length. We, we, we pretty much have the music written for, uh, you know, 10 principal tracks for the follow-up. And we sort of just got caught up in a lot of life, 
you know, and including, you know, music. You know, Alan has been involved with, uh, you know, some pretty big projects. At the time, I think he was, you know, just starting to do some Watchtower. And then the uh, the really great Mike LaPond, uh project came up, Silent Assassin. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, the, there's interest again in the Watchtower uh, music, which is phenomenal. And I'm just so happy for, just for myself as a fan and for the metal community, you know, at large, because what I've heard is incredible, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to blow people's minds. Cool. But, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to circle back to that. There's also a, a different uh, acoustic project that Alan and I have been working on for years, too. So, you know, there's always something going on, and it's just a matter of coordinating schedules and timing and all of that. Absolutely. Cool. So let's circle back to Cruel Seasons, the season, Cruel Season. Don't worry, I'll edit yeah. that. Let's circle back to Cruel Season. And the album is due out, Rise, it's called. It's due out in October. Um, I heard one of the songs off the record, and there's kind of an a interesting, unique story behind this song, or I, I guess special guest. I don't know what the story is, but I want to ask you about about the, the song uh, Sorted, right? Yeah. Well, sort of a special song on the record. Um, it, we actually closed the CD out with it. it was it's a, a great tune, really man. Enjoyed. The guitar sounds great. I mean, it's got a, such a great guitar tone, which always just pulls me right in. But fun song, great song. Well, thank you so much. And I mean, I know you're a gearhound too. I use a lot of interesting amps and some very cool guitars. Uh, so. It, it was really just a pleasure to record it. I'm so happy to hear you liked it. And I guess the interesting uh, element of the song is that, you know, we had a guest uh, vocalist on it, Sally Struthers. <laughs> the the Sally Struthers. We're talking from All in the Family, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I know that, that that must sound, you know, just completely uh, strange to, you know, fans of metal music. Well, and, uh, in so, some ways, yes, but if you think about all in the family okay you had rob reiner who gave us the great movie spinal tap you know that was all his brainchild he went on tour with saxon to research it you know so so in a in a in a, in a weird sort of way uh all in the family now has more than than one uh metal connection because you have sally on on your record and on this song so again how did how in the world did you end up getting her on this song well, first of all, you just blew my mind with that comparison because it's amazing. I never thought about it, and uh, I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Roger Cohen, the drummer of Cruel Season, he and his wife uh, are friends of hers. You know, she has got a history in Broadway performances and musicals, and, uh, you know, Roger, who's you know, a phenomenal you know, metal, rock, drummer, percussionist, you know, he also... Uh, works as a jazz musician, he and his wife, professionally. Okay. So they had developed a friendship with Sally, and, you know, in just passing, Roger had mentioned this, and he said, you know, she's she's such a nice person, and, uh, you know, so willing to just, you know, go out there and, and try and be creative. I just had this crazy idea of, hey, you know, why don't we ask her to come on down and, and sort of sing some vocals, and Originally, the song I had asked for her to come down to record is a song that's called Smooth Like Ken, which will actually be on our follow-up CD. 
Okay. What she could do. So she had absolutely no prep time to, to really work out her parts or work out what she was going to do. And uh, she was more than happy to just jump in, give it a try, and recording her vocals and being in the room with her, she was really going for it. And wow, nice. It, you know, and, without and, how, and how old is she now? Was, like, how old is she now? I don't know her age, but she she was, uh, you know, very, very active, very uh, vital, and very into it. And it was actually quite inspiring because, you know, she truly went for it. Awesome, awesome, and and it's it's a fun listen. The song's great, and she comes in towards the end of the song, right? Well, she she comes in more prominently towards the end. Oh, okay. But, you know, in the in in the verses, there's this sort of repeating uh, pattern of the word "sorted," which is also the name of the tune. And she's in there with Mike. They're both singing it at the same time. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. They're really sort of in unison. It's not a harmony part. What well, I I mean, I give her a lot of credit for just being willing to do that, you know, and, and that's, uh, that's awesome. So Justin, before I let you go, just a couple real generic questions for you. I know you're a guitar player. What initially attracted you to guitar and what were some of your early guitar influences or who were some of your early guitar influences? Well, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. And, uh, like you, I mean, I really grew up in a golden age of guitar playing because you know if you remember um mtv in in the early days there was van halen unchained yeah so it was it, it was music like that it was uh, early ozzy uh music with randy rhodes such great stuff you know then and of course uh you know some incredible music you know i i just love uh the david lee roth album eat em and smile with steve oh, i one of my favorites isn't that just tremendous? I mean, and there's energy in that record because can you imagine the pressure Steve I must have felt, you know, with a record coming out with David Lee Roth who just left Van Halen? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was it was such, uh, to me, it was more Van Halen than what Van Halen ended up doing, you know, with, with, with Sammy. And I'm a big Sammy fan, but, you know, I don't know. That that first album they did with uh, with Sammy was never one of my favorites. And I thought the, the, the Roth record, Eat Him and Smile, just killed it. Well, I loved it. And I really felt like they had something to prove. And, and they did. Ladies Night in Buffalo. Yeah. Opens with a really D minor awesome. 7 chord. That's a D minor 7 chord. I, I just love it. At the uh, 10th fret there. So, yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, Justin, it's been fun talking with you. And definitely keep us posted on Cruel Season. We're going to link the Facebook page in today's show notes on Talking Metal. I encourage everybody to go over and, and give it a like and, and check out uh, Justin and his band, Cruel Season. Right now, we're going to get into the song, Sorted, which you, we were talking about earlier. You said this closes the record, right? Indeed, it does, yes. closes the record, and this is special guest co-vocalist on this song uh, is Sally Southers. Never took the time to wander. 
What you just heard was the band Cruel Season, featuring Sally Struthers, who once shared the screen with Rob Reiner of uh, Spinal Tap fame. Guy behind the Spinal Tap movie, and he was also the guy who uh, who was in it. He was played the part of the documentary filmmaker in the movie. So Sally Struthers, of course, known. From All in the Family and uh, from those commercials telling you to save starving children or whatever it was. Or was it, were they starving dogs? I can't remember. I think they were starving children, actually. Was it UNICEF? I don't know. I don't know. So, here we go. Um, let's uh, wrap it up with some music by Korn and get ready for their appearance at Heavy Montreal. It's going to be a good one, guys. Slipknot, Faith No More, Corn, Alexis on Fire, Lamb of God, Iggy Pop, No Effects, Billy Talent, Mastodon, Bullet for My Valentine. The list goes on and on. But right now, this is Corn on Talking Metal. A little classic Corn. Freak on a Leash. Something takes a part of me. Something lost and never seen. Time I start to believe Something's raped and taken from me From me Life's gotta always be messing with me Can't touch all and let me be free Can't I take away all this pain I try to every night all in vain In vain I cannot take this place Sometimes it's my life I can't take 
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.